So we're doing a series called Be a Wise Guy, Be a Wise Guy. And if you're going to put something on social media today, really, uh, if you videoed the kids or took pictures of the kids and you're going to put that on social media, please include this hashtag, Be a Wise Guy. And then that way we'll all get to see the picture that you put up. It'll all be on one page. And then if you want sermon notes of this sermon or any other message we have here at the bridge, all you have to do is use that email address right there and we will send you a detailed copy of the sermon notes. So in this Christmas series, we are talking about wise men. We're talking about the Magi. We're talking about how they're teaching us in this Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2. They are teaching us how to celebrate Christmas. The wise men celebrated the very first Christmas by seeking for Jesus so they could find Jesus and worship Jesus. You can give Jesus all kinds of things for Christmas. You can give him your time, your generosity. Uh, you can give him prayers and praises. But I got to tell you, when you give him your life, when you give him your worship, whether a crowd is watching on or not, you are committed to him. That is the greatest gift you can give to him. And we meet these wise worshipers, these wise men, at this very first Christmas. Last week, we talked about the fact that in order to be a worshiper at Christmas time, which again is what Jesus wants from you more than any other thing in his life, he wants worship. In order to do that, you've got to have a heartfelt desire to worship. I mean, the fact is, it's very simple. If you don't want to worship, guess what? You're not going to worship. And so how did these wise men, how do we know that they had a desire to worship Jesus? Well, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, look what it says there. It says in Matthew 2 and 1, here it comes, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And I know you're probably looking at that going, so? Well, they actually came over 600 miles to find Jesus. These men traveled over very treacherous terrain. It cost them a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy to find Jesus. So here's what that tells me about these wise men. They desired to find him. They desired to worship him. They desired to be with him. So I want to challenge you on that. And we're not going to do that sermon again, but I will encourage you, if you didn't hear that message last week, go back to our website, bridgechurch.cc, and you can see that message from last week. So it's really important that we allow God to develop in us that desire. And where did the desire come from? Where did these three wise men get this desire to find Jesus. Well, it came supernaturally. It came from a star. They saw a star, and they knew God had put that star in the sky, and they followed that star. And uh, they, were per they were moved, they were stirred, they were dealt with by the Holy Spirit, and they, that desire was created in them because they saw the star. And then we talked about last week how God puts stars in your life. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a person. It can be something as seemingly insignificant as a song. How many of you have ever heard a song at just the right time and it moved your heart toward God? Music is powerful. 
That's why we have music, so much music in our church. That's why most churches do music before they do preaching because music and worship and praise, it kind of disorients the enemy. He doesn't know what to do when we begin to praise. It kind of messes his plans up. And so that's why we begin our worship services with music, with praise. So the stars move them. Other stars move us, circumstances, good ones. You know, when a good thing happens to you, you say, man, that was God. Because the Bible says all good things, what? Come from the Lord. And so we are, we are drawn to him when good things happen. Hey, guess what? We're drawn to him when bad things happen. Because I don't know what you think when you go through a bad time, but one of the things I think about immediately when I face a really hard time in my life is that I can't go through this without God. I need God to help me go through this. So these are some of the stars that we see. Here's what we want to talk about today. Not only do we need a heartfelt desire to worship, but number two, we need God to give us a heart of expectation. Expectation. I mean, you know, getting up every day expecting God to show up in our life. Getting up every day expecting God to make himself real to us. You know why a lot of times you don't hear from God or you feel like God's so far away? Because you're not expecting him to show up in your life. You're not expecting him to communi communicate with you at some point in your life. You're always... Uh, um, connected to something not spiritual, not toward God. We're always looking at the secular world. We're always focused on the material world. And so sometimes when God's trying to get our attention, we don't even see it. We don't even, we don't even connect with it. And we say God isn't around. God isn't near. God isn't close to me. And the whole fact is we don't have a heart of expectation. Here's what I want to challenge you with tonight. I'm not going to preach very long. And if you believe that, i got some... Um, some land I want to sell you. Oceanfront property in Arizona. Okay, so, but seriously, we're not. We're, we're going to let you go here pretty quick. But I want you to get this. I want you to take this home with you. I want you to begin to pray. God, I, give me a heart of expectation. God, I want, to, I want to know you're with me. I want to know you're there. I want you to communicate with me during the day. I want you to show yourself to me during the day. I want you to show yourself to me when I go to church, what a waste of time it is to get ourselves ready and get dressed and come to church, and we don't even meet God at church. I mean, we see our family, we see some friends, we see some other people. A lot of the folks from Goldsboro, because of our awesome military base here, a lot of them don't even have family and friends, and, and so there's very little connection even with that. And so what you want to do this season is you want to begin to say, God, help me to expect you to show up. Help me to expect to see you, that heart of expectation. And so it teaches us that there is a faith factor in your Christian life. There is a faith factor in your worship life. An, expe an expectation that God will surprise you and show up beyond your hopes and dreams. There's something about a spirit of expectation that causes God and welcomes God to move in powerful ways in our life. And when you expect to meet God in worship, he tends to show up when he sees a heart full of expectation. These wise men came with an expectation to meet Jesus. They came with an expectation to see Jesus. And they came with an expectation to be in the very presence of Jesus Christ. Let's look at what the Bible says in Matthew 2 and 2. We just looked at Matthew 2 and 1. Look at Matthew 2 and 2. 
Where is the one, this, this is the wise men, they're asking this question, the Magi. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? I mean, that star was moving around and they were following that star. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? That, saw, that star stopped. It stopped right there. So they knew that was it. This is the spot. So when, they, when the star stopped, they walked up to the people and they said, where is he? Where is he? What does that tell you about these wise men? They expected him to be there. They expected him to, to uh, they expected to see him. They expected to uh, communicate with his parents and be with him and be in his presence. It says, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. There's no if there. They fully expected it. There's no doubt. They expected Jesus was going to be in their presence. They expected to find him. They expected to worship him. Now let me make this practical for you. I want to challenge you with something. And this is very simple. This is a very simple message today. I want you to begin to start your morning saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen today, good or bad. I'm not, I'm not expecting bad, but I know sometimes bad happens. I really am not expecting something fabulous to happen because, you know, fabulous stuff doesn't really happen that often. But God, no matter what happens today, even if it's a mundane, regular day, God, I want to see you today. I want to see you today. I want to see you in, in something today. I, I don't know what that is. God, I'm not going to di dictate to you how to reveal yourself to me. But Lord, I pray, I ask you, please show yourself to me today. And then throughout that day, expect it. Look for him. I'm not saying every day is going to be a day that when you get to the end of it, you're going to go, oh my goodness, God really shows himself to me today. But I'll tell you, God will reveal himself to you in the small things of life, but you've got to be looking for it. You've got to be expecting it. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you know what he said to you? He said, any man who wants to know me I'll reveal myself to him. Any person who wants to know me, even if they don't really believe in me, even if all they have for me is a bunch of questions, you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, I'm cool with that. You don't really believe in me, but you want to know if I'm really there? He says, I'll show myself to you. What a promise. What an awesome promise. And we find that promise, and I refer to it often, but we find that promise in the story uh, when Jesus was standing before Pilate, right before he was crucified, Pilate was asking Jesus a bunch of questions, and uh, his questions were sincere. And Jesus said to Pilate, he said, Pilate, anybody who wants to know me, I'll show myself to him. So there's no excuse. Expect to see him. Expect to experience him. Expect to run into him through the course of your day. How about when you're headed to church? How many of y'all think sometimes on church day, the enemy just takes a break from everybody else and focuses on you on Sunday morning? Anybody ever feel that way? The children are demon-possessed, you know, just for a little while. And, you know, you got the water and you're sprinkling holy water on them to get, trying to get them to church and say, devil, get out of here. Get out, get out of my children today. You know, I know that's not, that's not how it is, but sometimes you kind of feel that way, don't you? And, um, you know, I just think if we could somehow, and here's how I do it, and, and I know it's tough when you got young kids and, and all of that, but if you could get up a little bit before they do and just say, Lord, 
I want to see you today. I want to see you on this Sunday. And, of course, we have church on Thursday night at our Goldsboro campus. So we say even on Thursday night or Wednesday night or whenever you're coming to church, Sunday night, say, God, you know I'm on my way to church. I got all this stuff going on. I got all this stuff going on with the kids. I got all this stuff going on at work. I got all these challenges and problems and things I'm thinking about. God, for just 30 seconds, I want to, I want to stop. And I want to say to you, Lord, when I get to church, I want to see you. When I get to church, I want to sense your presence. I want to sense your nearness. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to get ready. You know, I wrote down a little prayer or a little thought, you know, that uh, maybe we would think. It's kind of like you say to God, I will worship you today. And I will expect you to show up, God. And I will expect you to bring glory to yourself today. Lord, I desperately need you to be active in my life. Lord, I don't want you to be dormant. I want you to be moving and active in my life. And Lord, I know you will do what you've promised. And I expect you to be real in my life today. You know what? I think almost everybody believes in God. Almost everybody believes in God. Here's what we struggle with. Him being active in your life. That's what we struggle with. We see God up there over all of us, you know, and he's kind of doing his thing in a, in a general way. Here's what I want to say to you. He is the kind of God who while he's running this universe, he can come right where you are. He can come right into your life. Expect it. Just say, God, I know, you know, if it was based on me being worthy of your presence, then God, I would never have your presence because none of us are worthy. But just to say, God, I know you love me. And God, I pray, you know, when I go to church. But Lord, I want more than that. I want you to be real. I want you to be real in my life, not just at church, but every single day. You know, most of us show up at church in a rush. We got a hundred things on our mind other than God and me too. I want to just admit me too. We find a place to park. I don't know what it is like at your church if you're visiting today, but I see it all the time. I'll walk around out in the parking lot and, and I'll look out there and see what's going on. I see people kind of drive up. They got to run to the kids' place and drop their kids off. And they finally get into the sanctuary and the worship center and they sit down. And I can almost hear them go, oh. It's almost like they say, I don't care how sorry the sermon is today, I get to sit down and I have no kids. <laughs> hey, I totally get that. I totally understand that. It's been a while since I had that, but I do remember it. But I want to tell you, God wants more in your life. He wants you to have more. He longs to show you himself. He longs to be real in your life. And that's my challenge for you today. Start every day that way. Uh, recently, I read a story. Oh, by the way, let me give you guys some hope in closing. Um, and Bridge, tell, the, tell our visitors what that means. Nothing. nothing, absolutely nothing. But it gives you? Yes. Amen. Um, but I read a story about a, a pastor who went on a mission trip, and I want to read that story to you. It's very short. He says, I was humbled a couple of years ago when I and a team from my church went to Beijing, China. We went to a church in the town to worship. We actually went an hour early to the service because our host wanted us to see the new church building that they had built. 
And he said, so we got there early. He said, when we got there, there were hundreds of people sitting outside the church singing worship songs. He said, I didn't understand the words, but I sure did recognize the tune. He said, we asked uh, our host, who are these people? We thought it was the choir, but it looked way too big to be a choir. There were hundreds of them. Our host said, no, these are not the choir. These are just our folks who come to church here. They're our worshipers. He said, I want to tell you that a lot of them show up an hour early for church so they can just warm up their voices and get their hearts ready so they can really sing in the right way once church begins. He said they spent an hour just building their expectations for the worship service. That pastor said, I got to tell you, man, it was freezing out there. It was a beautiful sight. All these people bundled up while singing their hearts out. You could see the vapor from their breath rising up from this huge crowd. And it was rising up to heaven. And I thought, you know, in America, we don't even give 30 seconds to God before our worship service begins. And therefore, we get so little often out of our worship services. And the point is, there's just something about spending a few minutes every day, not just Sunday, but definitely Sunday, just spending a few minutes just meditating and allowing God to get our heart ready to receive from him, getting our, if you'll allow me, getting our spiritual antenna up so when God sends his presence, we know it, we sense it, we feel it, we see it. It's pretty interesting when you look at this story, the attitude of the people in the story. First of all, you got the wise men. They want to worship Jesus. Secondly, you got King Herod, He's resisting Jesus. He's jealous of Jesus. He sees Jesus as a rival. As a matter of fact, he wants to kill Jesus. And then you see the religious leaders or the church people. And you know what their attitude is? Just indifference. Just total indifference. And I look at that and I think about the modern church today. I think about the bridge. I think about our church. The wise men had an attitude of expectancy. They wanted Jesus to show up. They had their antenna up. Herod's attitude, again, was one of resistance, uh, to say the least, because he wanted to destroy Jesus. And then there were the religious leaders, and they're the ones I want to talk about most. You know, they were thinking, we know the answer to Herod's question. As a matter of fact, Herod didn't know where Jesus was. So he called in the church folks because he knew they knew the Bible. And so he said to them, hey, man, where's Jesus? So they went to the Old Testament because the Old Testament tells us where Jesus was going to be in the New Testament. Did you know that? It's one of the proofs of the truth of the Bible. And so those, those scholars came to Herod and they said, oh, he's in Bethlehem. It says right here in this Old Testament scripture, he's in Bethlehem. That's where he is. You'll find him there. They were just indifferent. These religious leaders not only were indifferent, but I notice in this story they never showed up where Jesus was. They never showed up. The wise men wanted to be there to worship him. Herod wanted to be there to kill him. The church people didn't even want to be there. They didn't even want to be where Jesus was. Nowhere in this story do we see them trying to find Jesus or following the star or following the wise men as they followed the star. They knew where Jesus was. They had read it in the Bible, but they didn't even go there to find him. And I got to tell you guys, I see that so much in our church life these days. Church has become a routine thing that we just do. 
you know, we do all our secular stuff and our job stuff and our money stuff and our family stuff and our social stuff and our relaxing. And then we've kind of got church in a box and we go, that's my God stuff. Let me tell you something. God's over everything. He's over your vacation. He's over your family. He's over your children. He doesn't want to be a little segment of your life on Sunday morning. He wants to be your whole life. He's speaking to you right now, right here in this service. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's drawing you to himself. God can work more miracles in the life of a person with an expectant heart than in the life of people with a resistant heart or an indifferent heart. One of the most powerful things Jesus ever said is in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, I'd rather you be either cold or hot. He said, the thing I hate most, the thing I dislike most is lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you be cold and know you're cold or hot and know you're on fire for me than to be indifferent and think everything's okay. And I got to tell you, man, that's where most Christians are today. They're neither cold nor hot. They're kind of in the middle somewhere. You know what Jesus said about that? It was pretty strong what he said. How many of y'all remember what he said? He said, lukewarmness nauseates me. He said, as a matter of fact, I will spew you or spit you out of my mouth. It is better to be cold and know it and know you need God or hot and on fire for God with your whole life than to be somewhere in the middle and not be right with God, but think you are right with God because you're doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts. Here's one thing I love about those wise men. They ask a very powerful question. They said, where is Jesus? Where is he? Where is the one? So that makes me challenge you and challenge myself with a question. Where is Jesus in my life? Where is Jesus in your life? I got to tell you what he wants. I can tell you what Jesus wants. He wants to show you himself. He wants you to quit trying so hard to do everything without him. And he wants you to come to him and lean on him and trust him and know that every promise in his book is true. And some of you have been hurt. Some of you, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you stick your hand out there and somebody keeps hitting it with a hammer after a while, you just quit sticking your hand out there, don't you? A lot of people have been treated that way in church. And you tried to trust God and you tried to be the person they wanted you to be. And, and, and every time you would, you know, maybe somebody would say, well, we control this church. You can't have any control in this church. Or, or uh, uh, you know, that's not your place. Or, or, or you don't live as holy as I do. We got rules in this church. And so you, you stuck your hand out there to get closer to God a few times. And every time you did, it, it just kind of felt like somebody hit it with a hammer. Hey, I get that, buddy. I totally get that. But come to Jesus. Stop focusing so much on church, and I love church, but focus on Him. You know what? Going to church doesn't make you a better Christian, but when you become a better Christian, you want to do the things God loves. You want to do the things He loves. You want to be with the people that He's with, and, and you want to be a part of that. 
And so, guys, I just lay that challenge on you, and I just thank you so much for receiving that word today. Are you expecting God to show up in your life, or do you just kind of go through life? You know, and then if some tragedy happens, then, yeah, you'll reach out to some people, but it's going to be a tragedy. I mean, it's going to be something horrible before you ever really reach out to God. Come on. Reach out to him today. When you get up in the morning, and this, uh, this is what I love about God so much, he lets you have your devotion and drink coffee at the same time. I love that about Jesus. Amen. So really, coffee's the only thing y'all clapped about today while I was preaching. I preach this whole sermon, no clapping. I talk about coffee. Yes. Early service. Okay. So, so just, just do that for me, will you? We just walk out and go, you know what? I'm going to start having some quiet time. And I don't really even know how to talk to God. I don't even really know how to communicate with him. You know, what, you know how you talk to God? Same way you talk to anybody. You go in your room, you shut the door, you get your cup of coffee, and you go, you know what, God? I need you. I don't, I don't understand a lot of things, but I sure do need you in my life. How do, how do I get closer to you? Lord, will you show me how to get closer to you? Will you show me how to be the person I want to be? Because listen, you can't do it without him. Listen to me. Willpower will fail you. You need the power of God in your life. And when you open your life to him and he comes and ministers to you and begins to reveal himself to you, you're going to have a strength that is not natural but supernatural because it comes from him. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to conclude the service. We're going to have people up here at the front who will pray for you. I want to just alert our staff uh, who are in other places probably serving that if they are free to come and pray uh, with the folks. We have a prayer team here. We're going to invite them to come. If you'd like to have prayer for physical needs, if you'd like to have prayer for your finances or your family, or, you know, you just want somebody to pray for you, feeling kind of down. Or, or listen, maybe you know somebody. You're, you're okay. You're doing good. But you know somebody who's going through something really bad, and you want to come up and have us pray for you. We're going to be here to pray for you this morning. Let's all stand together as we pray.